Hi, I'm Carmen LaBurge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBurge on Faith Radio. If we're going to fly, we fly like eagles. Arms now wide. If we're going to fear, we fear no evil. Arms now Good morning. Good morning again. I'm Carmen LaBurge. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio, and this is Hour 2. And if you missed Hour 1, then you missed actually some great conversations. And so I'm going to encourage you to grab the podcast later at MyFaithRadio.com or on the Faith Radio app. Um, And when you do that, you're going to get all of the links to all of the um, articles and books and things that we're talking about today. So for those of you who generally like to text me and ask me for links. They're all included every single day in the podcast um, notes. So encourage you to grab that. Um, and uh, what do you, you subscribe to it? Like, I think if you do that, then you just get it every day, which maybe that would be a great way to go. So all of that at myfaithradio.com. All right. I have a story to share with you before um, our friend Adam Holtz pops on from Focus on the Families Plugged In. I have a story to share with you that sure does sound like a movie, um, but it's not. It's a this is a really this is a true story. And so uh, I am reading it to you this morning from The Washington Post. Um, The headline is Thieves Stole the Precious Blood Relic. It reemerged at a detective's door. Dun, dun, dun. I mean, it doesn't say dun, 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 but it should. That's the sound effect that should go in the article at that point. After 20 years spent recovering long-lost artifacts and priceless art from across the globe, Dutch art uh, detective Arthur Brand thought his career had peaked. He wondered how any case could top those that had turned up a stolen Picasso or a pair of bronze horses made for Adolf Hitler, um, once believed to have been destroyed by the Soviet army. But then the doorbell rang. When he answered the door on the night of June 21st, the street was dark and utterly empty. Dun-dun-dun! Again, the sound effect is not in the article, but it should be. Except for a cardboard box holding an artifact that had inspired legends, pilgrimages, and prayers for over a millennium. Carefully, Brand carried inside the stolen um, artifact of the precious, well, it's it's a French word, so I'm not going to try to say that, but it's precious blood in English. It's an ornate, jewel-encrusted container that protects two lead vials with pieces of linen believed to have been doused with the blood of Jesus Christ. I, I mean, could you could you write an Indiana Jones movie script any better than this? I don't think so. So uh, how an item, again, this is from the article in the Washington Post, how an item dating back to Jesus's crucifixion wound up in Brand's Amsterdam home is a tale enmeshed with miracles, attacks, kings, saints, and a mysterious robbery police have not been able to crack. It starts uh, near the coast of Normandy more than 1,300 years ago when a fig tree trunk used used to hide the relic from Roman invaders washed up on the beach. I'm just telling you, like, right, seriously, sometimes um, the truth, stories that are happening in real time and in real life so far surpass 
um, the storylines that fiction writers could come up with. And so um, today I want you to celebrate the blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus, and use this story in the headline news to talk with people about the blood of Christ um, and how precious it is. Are you washed in the blood of Jesus? I am. It's not a relic. It's a living reality. Adam Holt from Focus on the Family Plugged In Ministries is up next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Focus on the families plugged in. You can find what we're talking about today at pluggedin.com. Hello, Adam. How are you, Carmen? I'm fantastic. The roosters are crowing at my house. It is a it is a good day on the farm. How about uh, well, Colorado good. Springs? What's happening there? Well, I've got some sad news for you. <gasps> I'm afraid that I'm not going to be able to compete in the Olympics because <laughs> I'm taking a steroid inhaler. So. <gasps> Dar- um, God darn it. It's just not going to work out for me this time. Is it, is it helping? <laughs> is it helping? It is helping. Good. Uh, good. Well, we'll, yeah. be, we'll, we'll praise God for that. But, That's uh, good. We can on uh, the mend. pray and fast for my lungs because they're mm. not very good. Anyway, hey. I digress. Let's, let's talk no, movies and culture. Hey, you know what? Let's pray for you right now because that's not okay. insignificant. Yeah. Father, <clears throat> um, we lift up our brother Adam before your throne of grace and mercy. In the name of Jesus, we ask that by the power of the great physician right now, you would heal um, his lungs, that you would do the good work that only you can do to heal, that you would restore, that you would strengthen. Um, Father, that you would uh, use the, the medicine that he's being provided and also your great grace um, to re-knit what needs to be re-knit and restore what needs to be restored, that he could be um, healthy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. You. That's the greatest, most important thing you and I will do all day. Well, I think you're right. And, you know, I think that most prayers, when you boil them down, come down to two words, right? Jesus, who is who we pray for, to, excuse me, help. Mm, yeah. Because <laughs> we are, I'm, I'm mindful of John 15, you know, apart from him, we can't do anything. And I think that it's... Uh, it's good to be humbled sometimes. It's good to reach our limits uh, because at least in part, it reminds us that we're not limitless, but Jesus is. So mm. thank you for your prayer. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. She does. She's crazy. Does she have a good time? Mrs. Does she have a good time when she does <clears throat> She what? does. What is this? Okay. She does. So um, this is a PG movie. It's in theaters. And I mean, it's like the ultimate counter programming to Thor and, you know, uh, Top Gun and Jurassic Park and all these huge action blockbusters. This is about a widow in post-war London who um, feels invisible. She's a cleaning lady and she gets treated pretty shabbily by almost everyone around her. Um, and I think that's part of the movie's charm and not that she's treated badly, but. 
part of its appeal is that it helps us to really think about the people who serve us doing menial, seemingly insignificant things. Um, although if you came to my house to clean, you might not think it was insignificant, but that's another story. Um, anyway, she, um, she has a client who doesn't have enough money to pay her for her services, but does have enough money to buy a $500 French dress. And uh, Mrs. Harris, her name's Ada, she falls in love with it, and she kind of dreams about it. And uh, wouldn't you know it, that's about the time that uh, she's given the message that she was supposed to have received a pension for her husband who died in the war. And so she you know, comes into this small windfall and decides to go to Paris and buy a beautiful dress for herself so that she doesn't feel invisible anymore. Mm. Um, mm. This is a nice movie. It, there's some misuses of God's name, uh, a handful, and that's really the only content in the whole movie. It's PG. Um, and again, I think it's um, – if you are of a mind to sit through a movie like that because it's not Thor, there's no magical Norse hammers throwing around here as far as I can see. Um, uh, you know, how how easy is it to demean people around us without even necessarily intending to, not because mm-hmm. we're mean, not because we're nasty people, but just, I don't know, we live in a dehumanizing culture. And I think this movie speaks to that reality and, and sort of calls us to something that I think is deeply Christian, which is really seeing others, even though this is not a Christian movie at all. Yeah. So you've got a couple other um, movies teed up here for us to talk about, um, The Gray Man and Anything's Possible. Um, yes. Want to pick one? And we'll send yeah, people plugged.com for the other. Let's, well, The Gray Man is basically uh, a new Jason Bourne movie, only it stars Ryan Gosling. So if you thought, okay. uh, I wish Ryan Gosling would make uh, Bourne movies, this is it. Anything's okay. Possible is a deeply unrealistic and deeply romanticized teen trans romantic comedy. And Mm. honestly, I don't know that there's a lot more that we need to say about the plot um, other than one character is a trans girl and there is a boy who likes said trans girl. Um, And, you know, it's about their romance and about the idea that, my gender is whatever I say it is. And you have no ability to critique my choices, to ask about them. Um, And and I think it really is a movie that gets at the zeitgeist of the unreality of our time, that, that we get to define things that actually we don't get to define and that aren't true. Uh, Mm -hmm. And uh, of course, anybody who raises an eyebrow here is a villain and uh, and this couple is embraced with um, with open and loving arms as sort of representatives of where we're at right now. So um, this would be a movie to watch if you wanted to have a conversation about what are the lies involved with this whole conversation. But that would be the only reason to watch it. Yeah, this is um, I'm so sad that this movie was ever made, but um, I'm not surprised that it has been. Um, so big, big sticker warning against anything's possible, but also yes, be aware that if your teenagers are seeing it, that's what they're watching. Um, yes. More with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Families Plugged In next. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. 
As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. We're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. Uh, we're talking about all kinds of things going on um, in, in the media and in the culture today. Um, so, um, so, Adam, let's talk a little bit about this Netflix docu-series, um, because I think that um, this is relevant to a number of conversations happening in the culture today or maybe that need to happen in the culture today. And yet the way that this is presented um, is, in my view, not very helpful. So what is how to change your mind about? And then maybe as Christians, um, you know, what's the transforming power of God's spirit? You know, I think I am looking at the wrong article. Oh. So, um, All right. Oh, what do you want to you know talk what? about? You know what? What's well, the culture? No. What's the culture no. thing you want to talk about? I'm I'm I good. Was, I could talk about HBO's looking, HBO's The Antichrist. You got that one? Uh, it's the anarchists, actually. Oh, but yes, the, that's what. Oh, I, well, let's do that's that. That's what I was see, looking at, see, and I, I clearly, actually tried to open <laughs> tried to open the article you're talking about, and um, I don't have a subscription to the New York Times, so it wouldn't oh, let me see. in. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, I will I will gift you that article, and we will talk about it some other time because it is really yes. good, and it's about it's about using psychedelic drugs. So well, I knew I, well, you. you know I knew you would not be a fan you, of it. No, tell me about <laughs> it, and I'll comment on it because I think I think this is a conversation that we can have, even if oh, I haven't exactly. read the article. Okay, so, so apparently, what stood out to you? Apparently, ten years ago, there was this journalist named Michael Pollan who wrote uh, a book called The Omnivore's Dilemma. And it, it's like staged at a dinner party in Berkeley, California. And um, it happens among these like, you know, elite people. And um, they talk at length about their use of LSD and, okay. um, and these trips that they take and uh, these LSD and how their minds are changed and opened through these experiences. Well, it leads into, fast forward 10 years later, Actually, the use of psychedelic and psychotropic drugs to treat everything from PS, PTSD to clinical depression, terminal um, brain diseases, on and on and on. And Pollen, um, now 67, who did not experiment with LSD apparently uh, as a youth or even 10 years ago when the people at the dinner party were talking about it, now does and believes that, you know, this has really opened his mind and he has changed his mind on whether or not these things should be easily accessible and sort of, you know, free and open to everybody's use. Um, and he talks about even his understanding of his self, his ego um, being changed um, through what he calls uh, psychotherapy, but it was really psychotropic therapy. It's really the use of LSD. And he wants to see it made legal in California yeah. or or frankly, everywhere else. He wants to right, see it legalized. But, but so that's what the conversation California. is about. Well, <laughs> okay. <laughs> let's so, start there. I mean, I think, that, I think that this speaks to 
uh, a number of things in our culture. Um, I think it, at at the base is this there is a growing romanticism with drug use, I think. Now, it's always been there, but we see pushes to legalize all sorts of drugs. Now, there are economic and justice-related questions involved with some of that. It's a complex issue. Um, I will agree with Michael in saying these are powerful drugs. I will take a step back from the edge and say God has created us as as beings who are fearfully and wonderful ma wonderfully made. And that is especially true of our brain and our mind and the person that lives inside. Like there is, I think that we can say as Christians, there is a physical reality and the physical reality influences our person. But, um, you know, to use an old phrase that's not biblical, there's a ghost in the machine too, right? Um, there is a spirit. Each of us is a spiritual being. And these are drugs that have a spiritual impact, which he kind of hints at. Mm -hmm. But I think that we need to be asking really critical questions about what kind of spirit. And I also think we need to be asking questions about, OK, as we talk about legalization, what is the likely outcome for many of the people using these drugs? And you don't have to look very far in the drug epidemic of our culture to say, mm, I'm pretty sure that legalizing drugs is not a net positive for our culture. Um, you know, there's all kinds of research about psychiatric damage and psychosis and dissociation, even with drugs as quote, harmless, unquote, as marijuana. And especially mm -hmm. when we're talking about um, young people's brains, their brains are not fully developed. And so the susceptibility there is even greater. And so I think that the degree to which we normalize um, a behavior like this, uh, I think it's dangerous. And I think he's doing something that we see all the time in our culture, which is I'm going to take my own personal experience and I'm going to project it out over 330 million people and say, we should all live like me. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and and then we're back to we're back to judges. We're back to every person doing what was right in their own eyes. And you know what? Did he have some mind opening experience with LSD? That sounds like it, you know, um, but to say I'm going to take that experience and normalize it for everybody. ah, That's really problematic. All right. Um <clears throat> Uh, now I have practiced saying the word anarchist instead of seeing <laughs> the word antichrist. Anarchapulco, is that what I'm supposed to be seeing? H yes, HBO's Anarchapulco. All right. See, I obviously know nothing about this. Do I need to know something about it? Well, here's the tie-in to what we were just talking about because I think they're connected. I think that we're living in a time, Carmen, and we have to see this, understand it, and resist it as Christians where people are living not just as individuals or as individualists, but with what I would describe as radical individual sovereignty as their worldview. You can't tell me I can't take drugs. You can't tell me I'm a male or a female. You can't tell me what to do, um, except in all sorts of you know religious cases, and that's different. We're going to put that in a different category. Um, and so – Again, I think that we have this growing sense that anarchy is a good thing and there's an actual anarchist 
movement. Uh, and this is a, you know, an HBO special that, that talks about anarchy. And I think there's always been a kind of romance with, you know, we're going to stick it to the man. We don't have to follow your rules, that sort of thing. But you don't have to look very far to say that in the context of real anarchy, the only thing that matters is power. I mean, I think we saw that with Seattle with their little experiment mm -hmm. last year uh, of, you know, we're going to get the cops out of here. Well, what happens? You have a bunch of crime. You eventually have people with guns and you have the strong man ruling because somebody is going to step into that power vacuum. And so there's just a deep unreality of of this. I, I get again, there's a romanticized appeal that when you actually try it out in real life, it doesn't work. You just mm -hmm. get people being abused and taken advantage of by people who are in power. Yeah. All right. Um, I am going to direct people to PluggedIn.com. And there, if they would like to uh, read the review of Nope, I will summarize it this way. Just say Nope to Nope. Mm -hmm. Nope. There you go. Yep, That's exactly. my pithy, uh, pithy ending of my conversation today. Plus UFOs. UFOs dear is Adam the <laughs> Just say <laughs> Nope to UFOs. Is that the... Right. right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, because we're supposed to call them something about aerial phenomenon now. It's right, not right. even now UFOs it, anymore. I okay, know. yeah, it has a different yes. name. I know. It's Learn the different. lingo, man. Learn the lingo. I mean, no, but this coming from the person who couldn't read the word anarchist and saw the word antichrist. So there you, uh, you know, we see. I what see we antichrist see. everywhere. I know. We see. Oh, there you go. That's a whole other conversation. Adam, as always, uh, bless you. Uh, great to have you with us today. That's Adam Holtz. You can find him at Focus on the Families, PluggedIn.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaVerge. Let's take a break for Breakpoint. All right, so super quick, I need you to text me um, where you are and what you're doing. It could just be like uh, Atlanta walking the dog, uh, North Dakota driving the truck. Now, if you're driving the truck, I know you can't actually text that. So, yeah, if you're driving a truck, I won't actually know unless you pull over to tell me you're driving a truck. But, uh, you know, plowing the field, going to work, getting ready for work, walking. Uh, I already did walking the dog, making breakfast. Like, where are you and what you're doing? What are you doing? That's what I really would like to know right now. Uh, text me 877-933-2484. Why do I ask? Why do I ask? First of all, I'm just curious. I'm just curious. You know where I am and you know what I'm doing and I want to know where you are and what you're doing. So text me 877-933-2484. It's also going to be a part of my conversation that I'm going to have next with Ken Harrison. Ken is the president of or CEO of Promise Keepers, with which you may be very familiar. Um, you may not know Ken. You may not know um, what he's talking about and how he's leading that organization. So we're going to ask him that. We're also going to talk about his book, Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. Live a life without waste, regret, or anything unfinished. So thank you to those of you jumping in here on the challenge. I love it already. Where are you? Uh, what are you doing right now? 877-933-2484. More with me, Carmen LaBerge, Middle Tennessee, talking to you. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen.
All right, where are you and what are you doing? We're going to talk with Ken Harrison. He is the CEO of Promise Keepers. We're going to talk with him about his new book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. So, Ken, good morning and welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Good morning, Carmen. So where are you? And other than this, what are you doing? I'm in Colorado Springs where it's too early. (laughs) So I'm an hour earlier than you all. So we just talked with Adam Holtz. He is also in Colorado Springs. He works for Focus on the Family's plugged-in ministry. His wife works at First Pres Colorado Springs. So you guys are neighbors and um, maybe pals. So um, before we before we uh, called you and got you on the phone, um, I just ask uh, listeners to jump on our text line and tell us where they are and what they're doing so that you would know who you're talking with. So I'm going to read a few of these, although... Several hundred people <laughs> took me up on this, so we won't read all of them. Um, but just so that you know, um, I am going to read all of them and respond to them, but probably not during my conversation with Ken, because that would be uh, multitasking and kind of a distraction. But I am uh, interested in knowing Jenny in Wisconsin, who is making pumpkin chip muffins uh, as we're talking. we got friends that are punching into work. Uh, I'm getting ready to go to Mass. Um, I am praying for my friends and family this morning. Uh, Brian says, I'm in Ohio watering the garden. Jacqueline is in Minneapolis eating breakfast. Oh, well, Jacqueline, we're going to need to know what we're having for breakfast. Um, we've got uh, a friend in um, middle, well, somewhere in Minnesota, pulling weeds. Um, Patty is in McFarland, Wisconsin, getting ready for work and listening um, online. So uh, folks all over the place, um, feeding feeding the dog, watering the garden, um, uh, uh, holding my newborn son uh, and eating breakfast. I mean, on and on and on. Uh, I know we got one person on their um, stationary bike because she actually texted me earlier. We've got uh, Mary who is taking her sewing machine to be repaired. There you go. There you go. I mean, oh, oh, here's a good one. I'm using my sewing machine now to repair the lining of my husband's leather motorcycle racing suit. See, these are people who are not wasting any time today. <laughs> I like the uh, pumpkin chip muffins. I want one of those. Yeah, yeah exactly. All right. So, Ken, um, I would love for you to um, tell us about the book, but I want to start with you introducing us to Norton Rainey. Norton Rainey. Well, I've never gotten that question before. Norton was a guy who raised money for the Boy Scouts for 40 years, Um, but he didn't just raise money for the Boy Scouts. He was a a massive evangelist and missionary who really thought of his calling as someone to tell Christians what they needed to do with their life, that he saw people were wasting their lives. He felt they were going to get the judgment seat of Christ and not have anything to show for their works. And the first time I ever met him, he was really in the very early stages of dementia. People didn't quite realize that yet, but he, he, he said he wanted to meet with me because I was having influence with men around Denver. He sat down, threw a King James Bible in my face that was all tattered and underlined and started grilling me with questions and wanted to know, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, what are you going to say? And that was the first time I ever met the guy, and I thought he was the most obnoxious person I ever met. And within about two months after that, I was completely being discipled by him. <laughs> and that's really what the book is all about. I mean, it, I, I just felt like like this is what this book grows out of and what it's all about. So um, take us into a daring faith in a cowardly world um, and, and set us up for the conversation that you just said each and every one of us is going to have, which is standing before the judgment seat of Christ and being asked the question, what did you do? 
Yeah, Norton lit that fire underneath me, which had started with, um, and I start the book with the story about how I'd been hit by a jet ski and thought I had five hours to live. The doctor had said that I'd ruptured my liver, and if less than 40% of it was ruptured, they would life light me out, cut it out, it would grow back. But if more than 40% was ruptured, then I had five hours to live. And so I had been a Los Angeles policeman. I had faced danger and, and life-threatening well, stuff. Well, and they left you laying there for an hour to think about it. That was the part that I was like, some bedside manner. I'm telling you. I mean, it was, I didn't even, you know, in the book, I even downplay it, although it's sort of funny. It was worse than I made it out in the book. I didn't want to, mm. to dwell on it too much, but it was insane how they just threw me on the bed. And I said, well, if I'm going to die in five hours, like why? And the guy said, what do you mean? You won't have a liver. I said, well, but how do you die? Like what kills you? He said, oh, your body will poison itself to death. And he walked out, left me there. And uh, in you know pain and broken oh. ribs. But in that hour, I, I laid there and I thought, I'm 30 years old and I might be seeing Jesus in five hours. What am I gonna say? Mm -hmm. and, I, and I had really never been taught about the judgment seat of Christ. I would always taught, you know, don't worry about works. It's all about grace, which it is for salvation. But after salvation, Ephesians 2.10 says that we were saved for good works, which were prepared at the beginning of time for each one of us, you, Carmen, me. We have works that God gave us to accomplish and we'll be judged by how well we accomplished those. At the time, laying there in that gurney, I thought, man, I've just been a nice guy my whole life. I've gone to church and all those things. That sounds pretty hollow. I, um, I love this. This is right up my alley. Um, you talk about being, you know, polite Christian Americans, living polite Christian American lives, um, and really not understanding what it means to be called to more than salvation. That takes us into this Ephesians 2 conversation. Um, so maybe let's do this. What's wrong with living a polite Christian American life? What's wrong is that's not what God called us to. In fact, living a polite Christian life is really a life of cowardice. Um, there's a one quote in there from a, a man whose wisdom I greatly respect, Tim Dunn. He's an oil man out of Midland, Texas, who said, niceness is the virtue of the coward. You must lick the book that kicks you. Now think about that. We have lots of nice Christians. And what has nice Christians done for us? Look, look at the decline in our culture. I mean, how horrific is it? John Stone Street says that what was unquestionable 10 years ago is, or what was unthinkable 10 years ago is unquestionable today. The, 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 the horrors of the transgender movement and what they're doing to our girls, cutting their breasts off and permanently changing their bodies. Now we're getting a lot of them coming back and saying how bad it is. Christians are supposed to stand up for God's kingdom and his word. We're supposed to stand up for the oppressed, plead the widow's cause, the Bible says, correct the oppressor. Those things are things of action, and those are things that bring conflict. We do it not to defend our own opinion about things, but to defend, to defend God's word and to stand up for people. And God says, our Christian life should look like a soldier fighting a battle. It should look like an athlete who's doing everything he or she can to win the prize. It should be like a worker who's doing everything they can to be well approved. Boy, that doesn't sound like what we get taught a lot in a lot of churches today. Well, and that's because what you're talking about would be described by some people as like, you know, muscular Christianity or, um, oh, I'm trying to think of the way other, other ways that they characterize it. But um, as if being a real man and being a real woman are somehow negative, uh, negative things. And so I think part of this is learning, um, learning the truth of who we are based on what Scripture says and then standing in that truth no matter what the world says. 
Like, I think that's what you're advocating for. That's the that's the courageous part of this. Um, but then you're like, don't just stand there and don't just <laughs> right. do and don't just do something. Um, do the thing that God has prepared in advance for you to do. So let's talk about that in just a moment. We're going to talk about um, becoming blessed. And then we're going to talk about um, what's uh, what's ahead of us. Um, as Christians in the culture today, and how we really can make the world different by living a daring faith in a cowardly world. More with Ken Harrison next. Thanks so much for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Hey, I'm Susie Larson. Hey, if you enjoy what you're listening to here, would you consider subscribing to other great faith radio podcasts like mine? Search Susie Larson Live at myfaithradio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hit subscribe and have a great day. All right, we got a uh, a friend listening who's writing an encouraging letter to a friend in Texas. We've got Scott in a in an Iowa dog park. Lydia in Wyzetta is still in bed. Um, we have uh, friends tuning in from Hartford, Connecticut, um, and uh, and then we've got uh, let me let me check here. Let me scroll up here. I had somebody who texted in. Jack texted in. Um, he is currently making a serving tray. He sent us a picture. It's beautiful. It's this inlaid wood serving tray for his daughter's birthday. And then when he heard who we were talking to, he says, Promise Keepers changed my life in 1995. So a little shout out to Jack uh, there this morning. We are talking with Ken Harrison. He is the CEO of Promise Keepers. He is actively engaged in changing the lives of men. And by changing the lives of men, he's changing the lives of women and families and communities and uh, and the nation and the world. So we're talking about his brand new book. Oh, and yes, I do I have copies to give away? I think I have copies to give away. Do I have copies to give away, Ryan? Do you know? Yeah, we have copies to give away. If you want to enter the drawing for the copies we have of Ken Harrison's new book, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World, text the word book to 877-933-2484. Ken, talk with us about um, the way in which many Christians are living today, this sort of uninspired, unsure of purpose versus what you are advocating for, which is really living into the blessings and living toward the rewards. You know, you you touched on something earlier that was so important. You talked about identity. And as I have taken over Promise Keepers for the last now five years and seen what is the crisis going on? What is, why are so many men leaving the church? It's for two reasons that are related. They don't know their identity in Christ. And they don't know that their life matters greatly and that they will be rewarded and judged for what they did. And so how you fight, I mean, you were saying it, it sounds, uh, you didn't use the word macho. I can't remember the word you used, but, you know, I think muscular, fighting, muscular. Yeah, thank you. Um, you know, fighting is is a woman getting involved on her school board and saying, what are you teaching my kids? You know, like mm-hmm. they did in Loudoun County here where I live in Douglas County, Colorado, we had five men who got involved on the school board here. This is a conservative county, but it was taken over by some people who were pushing really leftist views. And these guys got involved. It was, it was national news. They flipped the, the school board into a conservative Christian school board. And now those five guys have started something called Fathers of Castle Rock, and they have 2,000 members of guys who yeah. just go around helping widows, doing things, and they're not a Christian group. That's, that's what's living out your faith in a real way. Hmm, I like that. All right. I, 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 well, and I love that it doesn't have to be like we don't always have to be leading with the Jesus part. I mean, we're always 
living as Jesus and engaging, you know, as Christ in the world and um, walking our faith out, uh, you know, as his uh, representatives representing Christ. But it doesn't mean that we're always like leading with that language. So I like that, you know, this is a bit of an undercover movement that you're talking about here, the fathers of Castle Rock. Like, just go out there and do the good you know you're called to do. Do the ministry that God has prepared in advance for you to do. Um, an adventure will come. Like, it will be it, it, it will be adventuresome. Yeah, Carmen, I mean, Jesus promised you will be persecuted. You will be abused if you're about his work. It's just a matter of time. And mm-hmm. serve him where you are. I mean, like we talked about Ephesians 2, 8, 9 are the verses that say, for by grace you're saved through faith, and it's not of yourself, it's a gift of God, lest no man should boast. So all of our safe, our, our, even our faith was a gift from him. However, then 2.10 we were talking about, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which were prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And Dwight Moody said that 90, or one person out of 100 will read the Bible, the other 99 will read the Christian and so it doesn't say give you permission to not ever talk about Christ out of cowardice, but what it does give you permission to do is go spread the good word in your way within your gifting. And a big part of it is listening to a show like this while you're making muffins or fixing your husband's suit or making a tray um, to, to be reminded of God's word, your calling on your life, who you are in Christ. Right now, men are being identified by their sin. That's why we hear about toxic masculinity. The world points its bony finger and it says, how dare you? Who do you think you are? You can't make a difference. Look what what you did, what you said, what you thought. Christ says, I love you. I gave you the grace. Come on. We got work to do because people are suffering. Let's go rescue them. Sometimes it's a muscular thing that you do. Sometimes it's just getting involved on the school board and saying, I want to see what you're teaching our kids in school. Um, the book is fantastic, uh, A Daring Faith in a Cowardly World. Um, if you guys want to enter the drawing for the copies we're giving away today, text the word book to 877-933-2484. You can engage with Ken at his website, kenrharrison.com, or obviously at promisekeepers.org. Um, tell people about your um, your podcast, because, um, well, I have uh, this morning listened to your conversation with Chad Hennings. And now, of course, I want to talk to Chad Hennings myself. Um, But like, you're a guy who sits down with other guys, uh, a man who sits down. This is like, um, this is like men's men's with men. I I just, I, I loved it. I want people to know about what you're doing at Promise Keepers, because I think that a lot of folks, you know, think it's something that happened in stadiums a generation ago, but it's, it's something happening today as well. So so tell people um, not only about your podcast, but what else is going on at Promise Keepers. Yeah, so the podcast we did um, quite, I think we did like 60 episodes and then we put it on pause and there's a new one being developed right now, which will be a TV show as well. And it's me, me and Pastor Sam Rodriguez. And oh, it's, it's, we both come right. from completely opposite. You know, he, he has a master's degree in math from the Ivy League and I have an English degree from Oregon State. <laughs> you know, we're like, and he's a He's a massive, charismatic, uh, great pastor teacher. I'm a Calvary Chapel Baptist type of a guy. And so we're going to take on really controversial issues and and just de- debate them back and forth on screen. So that's coming this fall. Um, yeah, the podcast was similar to that. You saw some of those, like Meg Meeker, we talk about what to do about trans kids that we brought up earlier. Um all kinds of experts, Senator Langford and that. Promise Keepers, it was a massive movement in the 90s in stadiums. We did have a very successful event at Dallas Cowboy Stadium last summer. 
But the primary thrust of Primus Keepers this time around is virtual. We had one and a half million people watch our virtual event in 83 countries. We, we're mm. taking on very specific issues to specific to men, sexual integrity, where we really go on about porn. And then there's an app that you can get on the app store. It's Promise Keepers, where men can go on, get into friendships, relationships. The app, uh, the usage is extremely high. Uh, people can't believe it in a software business. Our average usage time is over three times that of Facebook. So when mm. men get on it, they stay on it. They get biblical content and they get real help. So after the sexual integrity event, which we have had about 150,000 people watch that, um, not, not counting several viewings on CBN and NRB, um, they can get on there and get a 30 day challenge where they get very specific talking about their issue because pornography is destroying the church. It's destroying the family. It's not okay, but what are we going to do about it? And so we actually go and get guys real help from real experts. And we have one coming out in November on mental health. So we're going to take on depression, suicide, guilt, um, because it's ravaging men right now. And I, we t I said a minute ago, the world is pointing its bony finger and Satan is, is, what is he? The great accuser. And he's accusing people. But in our case, we're dealing with men constantly. You're not forgiven. It's not okay. How dare you get involved? How, who do you think you are to have a daring faith? You did this. You thought that. You yelled at your daughter last night. Jesus says, I forgave you, my son or daughter. Now let's go. We got work to do. Let's get let's mm -hmm. get going. And people say, "Well, how should I behave?" I say, "Well, God says He's our Father. Well, how how do we want our kids to behave to us as as fathers and mothers? Man, I want my my children are old now, but I want them to crawl up into my lap and and wrap their arms around me and say, "I love you, Daddy." And yeah. I want to do the things that you say because I love you. And I want to defend and serve and help my brother or my sister because I love you, not because I'm doing a duty, but because of my love for you. And that's exactly what God says to us. The entire law yeah. is summed up in two commands, love God and love your neighbor. I love uh, the bell is tolling right now. The chime is tolling. I love that because um, we are also out of time. Ken Harrison, what a delight. You can come back anytime, anytime. Um, CEO of Promise Keepers, you can uh, find him at promisekeepers.org. You need to download the app. Um, and if you have been discouraged, like you've felt like the enemy has taken you out at the knees, you've been discouraged. This is a ministry of encouragement, and this is a book of encouragement, a daring faith in a cowardly world. Uh, Ken, uh, thank you so very much. All right, guys, um, we're going to wrap it up here in just a minute. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and this is Faith Radio. love that you shared with me uh, where you are and what you're up to today. So I'm going to spend uh, the next hour responding to all of your text messages. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so very much for including me in your day today. You can always email me, Carmen at MyFaithRadio.com. Lots of great stuff at the website. So don't miss out on our summer book bundle giveaway at MyFaithRadio.com. Have a great weekend. And thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.